welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 19th of February 2017, entitled Experiencing the Presence of God, Part 3. And the Bible reading is taken from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 to 6. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. We have been looking at this thought of experiencing the presence of God. I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's holy word as we read from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6, which says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Father, thank you so much for this wonderful privilege that we have, not only to gather in your house this morning, Lord, help us not to take that lightly. Lord, to have your word before us has been preserved and your spirit within to give us understanding and Lord, as we gather here today, we know that the needs are varied, but Lord, we pray that our hearts and minds and beings would be focused upon you and that any distractions would be removed. Help us, Lord, as we look into your word. Would you speak to our hearts as only you can? Lord, I pray earnestly, not because I deserve to ask anything, but by your grace and mercy, I ask of you this morning, Lord, for whatever needs are here this morning, with us lost that needs to be saved, with us a backslider that needs to be restored, with us a Christian that just needs to be strengthened, encouraged, lifted up, or challenged afresh, would you do a work, a lasting work that only you can, and do it for your glory and your honor alone. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. Our passage here reads, and it's really quite a challenge when we look at it, he first says, let your conversation be without covetousness. Now, to covet is, of course, to desire something else other than what you have. It's most often referred to as coveting something that somebody else has. In other words, you'd really rather not be where you are or have what you have. You'd rather be what somebody else is or have what someone else has. Don't let your conversation, don't let your lifestyle be covetous. But he says, be content with such things as you have. We probably never live in days, have never lived, and those that have gone before us, when days when Christians were less content with what they have and where they are. They want a different situation. They want different circumstances. They can't honestly say that they're content with what they have right now, with where they are. He says, be content with such things as ye have. Not what you want. Don't let your lifestyle, don't let your conversation go out there on all those things that you want, that you desire, that you don't have, but be content with such things as you have. How can that be? He tells us. He says, for because he has said, 
I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Too many Christians today, they know all about God. They know all about religion. They know all about God's word in many times. They know all of these things. But they're not experiencing the presence of God in their lives. Oh, they may know the fact that he's there and that he dwells there and that the Holy Spirit, they know that, but they're not experiencing it. You see, the Bible is telling us here we ought not to be wanting what somebody else's have or somebody else's life. We ought not to be not wanting where we are. We ought to be happy and content right what we are with whatever things we have, with whatever the circumstances are, because that he has promised that he would never leave us, that he would never forsake us. The problem is too much of our contentment, our peace, our joy, our happiness comes from the things and the circumstances of life rather than the fact that God is in our life. There are other things that either rob us of that joy or keep us from experiencing and knowing that joy because in all honesty, we wouldn't want to say it, but those things are more important to us than the fact that he is in our lives and our hearts and he will never go anywhere. And we've talked about a number of things. We looked at this promise, the awesomeness of this promise. I will never leave thee. I will never forsake thee. We looked at the fact that, you know, God's presence is what he always made. He created man in the garden. He walked with him in the garden. He was there present with him in the garden. It was man that sinned and separated himself. God still came back. God was still walking through the garden. Adam, where art thou? It wasn't God that left. It was Adam that was hiding from God because he didn't want God to see him and what he had done. But you know, God called him back. And God's calling you back. We looked at all kinds of things through the Old Testament that typified the presence of God, but then we moved from that, that presence of God, that promise that he made of his presence of always being there, of never forsaking us, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that we moved to the presence of the person of that presence in our lives. God promised it. And God gave all types of symbolisms showing us that in the Old Testament. But the person of that presence was Jesus Christ. Emmanuel. God with us. You see, God promised you. Don't tell me. I don't care how much you believe it. Don't tell me that you can't be happy and joyful and content with who you are, where you are, whatever that situation is. Because to believe that would be to call God a liar. God says that you can be content with such things as you have, not what you want, not what they ought to be, with what you have, if you're focused on his presence in your life. He's promised it. And that person of that promise is in Jesus Christ himself. And then we talked about the place of that promise. And we went through so many things. Yes, there's sorrows. 
But he's there in those sorrows. He's there in your failures. He's there in your confusion. He's there in your prayers and your business, whether it's church business or personal business. He's there in your troubles. He's there in your praise. And above all, he's there in your conversion. You see, he is always there. If you're not experiencing his presence, you've got to realize it's not because he's gone anywhere. You find that I want us to move on with those thoughts in mind. I want you to think today on something else. We've got his promise. We've got the person of that promise in the Lord Jesus Christ. And today, if you're a child of God, the place of that promise, Jesus Christ, yes, he's at the right hand of God, but he's also in you today. Wherever you are, whatever you're facing, unless he's a liar, and you have no hope if he is anyway, but unless he's a liar, he's right there with you. That ought to make you content. That ought to make you happy. That ought to fill your place of joy. You see, when God's present in your life, we sing about it. Do we believe it? It makes a difference. <laughs> There's some people you can be around that maybe they would make no difference whatsoever. But I want to tell you something. There is power in the presence of God. What's it like? What's it like to be near God? I've, I've asked you this question in different ways in recent weeks. What is it like? Can, do you know those times in your life when you've really, not just known about him, not just known the fact that he was there, but you have been near to God and you have experienced his genuine presence in your life. You see, sometimes it can actually be a little scary, a little frightening, because the presence of God is an awesome thing. We find that all through the Scripture, all through the Scripture, that those that came into his presence, they would bow down before them. They'd be flat on the ground that his presence was so awesome. Again, we sing about his awesomeness. We, we talk about his awesomeness. But I want to ask you honestly this morning, when was the last time you experienced the power of his awesomeness in your life? Because he hasn't gone anywhere. Where have you gone? What is it? What is it that you're hiding from or that you're running from? Not only is it scary, I didn't alliterate all these, but it's, it's, it's sanctifying. You know, we're getting ready to have to go through probably a, we might have to put up some numbers on the wall or something like when you go in and get in these queues in these places that there's a long queue and you're going to be number so-and-so. Well, that's probably the way it's going to be in our house over the next week if you want to get clean and have a shower with all these people that are there in one shower between everybody. Why? Because that's the one place that we can get clean in our house. <laughs> the one place. I want to tell you something today. If you're near God, it's going to clean your act up. It's going to clean you up. It's going to make you different than this world. It's going to separate you. There's, there's nothing that will clean you up like he'll clean you up. The prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, we find these words recorded. He says, 
In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. The presence of God was real there. Notice what happened in verse 5. What was the effect of the presence of God? He said, woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto him, having a, a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, <laughs> This has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. There's something wrong when the Word of God teaches us over and over again that the power of God's presence in our lives it makes a difference. Oh, yes, we see God and we see our sin. We recognize you're not unique. We're all sinners. Woe. Woe to me. Woe to my iniquities. In the presence of a holy God, we've been discussing his holiness the last couple of weeks in, 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 in our Bible study time here. We're to be holy as he is holy. But in the presence of of that power of his awesomeness. His lips were cleaned. His conversation was changed. You see, the psalmist wrote to us as well. If we look in Psalm 19, notice what the psalmist says here. Psalm 19, verse 7, says, The law of the Lord is perfect. What's it do? Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. What are you saying? I'm saying this, folks. The power of the presence of God, you'll know it. It can almost be frightening, not because you're afraid of what he'll do to you, but at the awesomeness of being in his presence It'll be sanctifying. It'll be cleansing. It'll cleanse you. Nothing else in all the world will cleanse you except the presence of the blood of Jesus Christ on your life. That's the only hope that you have. That's the only cleansing agent that will work. The power of his presence, it'll change your passions as well. <laughs> Anybody that, I guess been around me for any time, they know I can be a little bit passionate about some things. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> you know, God knew what he was getting when he got me, and 
He can try to make me what he needs me to be, but he's stuck with what he's got while he's performing that great miracle in my life. I can be passionate about some things. But you see, I believe this, honestly. I believe when the power of the presence of God is in your life, you're going to be passionate about some things, whether you ever were or not before. It's going to change you. You see, in Luke chapter 24, we have an experience of the presence of Jesus Christ with these men and what it did to them. And he says in Luke chapter 24, and in verse 32, and they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us? When he walked, when he talked with us, by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures, when Jesus is present in your life, you see, it will change you. It will give you a love for God that's impossible for the world to have. It'll give you a love for his word, for this book. There's something wrong if that's missing. That's the power of his presence. Love for his truth. Love for purity. That hurts when you look in the mirror sometimes. I know. But there's something missing if you don't have that desire. That desire to be more like him. A love for souls. Do you really care? I'm, I'm talking about not in, in passion. Do you have that compassion inside that he has? That your family, that your friends, that the people that you work with, the people you go to school with, the people around you, does it matter? You see... It mattered so much to him that he came and died on that cross that they might be saved. It mattered so much to him that he's asked you to go and share that wonderful truth with him in your life as well as your words. When the presence of God is real in your life, it'll give you a love for those souls. It'll give you a love for your family I'm not saying the world can't love their family, but I'm saying nobody can love with the perfect love that God is and that God has, and when he's present in your life, you can love like you couldn't love before. You can love with a love that has nothing to do with what it's doing for me and how it's making me feel. It's all a giving love, an unconditional love. You'll be able to love where you are right now. You'll be able to love your future, whatever it holds. <laughs> Maybe it's not going the way that I want it to. I'm telling you, if God's word is true, you tell me what else that he's saying to us here. I don't want to hear your conversation about what you want and what you don't have. I want you to be content with such things as you have, because I've promised you that I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. If you're not content, it's because you're not experiencing the presence of God in your life. When you're with God, when you're with God, none of that other stuff is suddenly going to matter. 
so much to you. Your whole outlook on life, it, it changes. Different things become important to you. I know, we all know. We all know what the flesh wants and the things that the flesh desires and the things that makes the flesh happy and content. But what makes you content as a child of God? You see, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 gives us a challenge. He says, examine yourselves. It's usually easier for us to examine somebody else, isn't it? It's easier to see, well, man, why did they say that? Why did they do that? Why did they go there? Why did they do this? He says, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. I'm asking you honestly and seriously, not for any ulterior motives, and it's one of the most important questions you'll ever ask in your answer in your life. Examine yourselves this morning whether you be in the faith. I don't want to know how many prayers you prayed. I don't want to know how many times you've been to church. I don't want to know how many times you've been dunked. I don't want to know. Except, are you truly a born-again child of God? You need more than a dose of religion. You need more than just to know about it and to know about God. You need the presence of God in your life. That can only come when you'll humble yourself before that holy God admitting your sinfulness and seeking a forgiveness that comes only by God's grace, not because you deserve it, and only because that you'll put your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary, that it was his blood that will cleanse your sin, that it's his resurrection and his resurrection alone that gives you any hope and any promise of a life in the future. He says, prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. <laughs> you see, there's one of two situations that each and every one of you are in here this morning. Either, he says, look, you need to examine yourself, whether you're really in the faith, prove your own self, don't you know? that either Jesus Christ is in you or you are a reprobate. You are a sinner. You are lost. There is no in-between. Either he's he is with you and he will never leave you and he will never forsake you or you don't have him at all. If you're not experiencing his presence, it's not because he's gone anywhere. You find that your strength your strength is renewed in his strength. I know. You know what it feels like to get tired sometimes physically and mentally and spiritually? And sometimes you really, really feel like you just can't go any further. And that's probably true. But he's promised he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. You see, even in that situation... According to God's word, you ought not to be thinking about what it could be like, what you could have. You ought to be happy even in that situation because he's with you, because of his presence in your life. You see, you can't stop getting there, but it's up to you whether you stay there. 
You'll have joy when I mean it. It ought to be impossible to be happy because He is your joy. I've told some of you before, you know, it's amazing. It's amazing when, when you love someone in that special way, just their presence means everything in the world. You can forget about all your problems. You can forget about everything else because that person is there that you care so much for. It doesn't mean the problems have gone anywhere. Folks, it's no different. If he really is in that rightful place in your life, if you really love him supremely above all else, that wonderful feeling that you've had in the presence of someone that you love is the feeling that you ought to have in his presence even in the worst of circumstances because he's your joy. Even when it's hopeless, he is your hope. You're never without hope as long as you've got Jesus. Life is hopeless without him. And I know I've been there with you. I've been there before when I didn't have any hope. I couldn't see any hope. But I need to be reminded, <laughs> hey, as long as there's a Jesus, there's hope. As long as there's Christ, there's hope. You see, even when none of it makes sense, I mean, sometimes some things in life just, just don't make sense. I don't know why this happened. I don't know why this is so hard. I don't know a lot of those things. But what I'm saying is, when he's there with you, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. You can be content. You can be satisfied when there seems to be no satisfaction because he is your satisfaction. These aren't just words. That's the power of the presence of God in your life. If you don't know those things, then the problem is not with God. You need to examine yourself, first of all, if you're really in the faith. And if you are in the faith, then you need to get your thinking straight. You need to realize he's there for you. He wants you to be there. John chapter 1 and verse 10. John chapter 1 and verse 10. Speaking of Jesus, it says he was in the world. The world was made by him. And the world knew him not. <laughs> he was in the world. Jesus came to the world that he had created himself. And yet the world didn't know. You see, there is some problems that can hinder you from truly experiencing the presence of God. Even though he's there, he can be missed. Jesus was in the world, the very world that he created, but the world knew him not. You see, sometimes he can be in your life. Have you ever had somebody in the room that you just hadn't even noticed they were there? They were there all along, and suddenly you say, whoa. Sometimes in our lives, Jesus is there, but we're so focused on other things that we miss his presence. You see, he doesn't come in the room shaking the tambourine and beating the drums and saying, hey, here I am, look at me. He's there. 
gracious, merciful, compassionate. He's always there. Sometimes, even in the Bible, it tells us how people actually misunderstand his, his goodness, his, his, his quietness, his, his meekness because of his love for us and wanting to give us opportunity. I'm saying today, there is a problem with that presence. He could be missed. And there's something else you need to recognize. <laughs> the psalmist put it this way in Psalm chapter 14. Psalm chapter 14, and in verse 1, the Bible says, The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. You need to understand, by nature, your carnal flesh doesn't want him around. <laughs> doesn't want him around. He can be there and you can miss him, but sometimes you don't want him around. There are those that would just declare that he doesn't even exist. There are those that secretly just do not want to depend upon him. There are those that just don't want to confess their sins. They don't want to pray. They, want, they don't want to seek God in their lives. They don't want to accept his terms of reconciliation, which is to turn away from your sin. They want, they want to reach and get him at the same time that they're still holding on to the sin. You see... It's easy to say, I want God. Your flesh doesn't want him. Your flesh doesn't want to be around him. Your flesh doesn't want to admit because you see part of that other problem is that self-sufficient pride. Some have said, and it's probably a lot of truth in the fact that the real root of atheism, the real root of those saying that there is no God is pride a reluctance to seek the favor of a higher being in any way. You see, a lot of people, even when Jesus came the first time, they were looking for somebody that would come in power and conquer the world. They weren't looking for somebody to come humbly in a manger in Bethlehem. They weren't looking for somebody to come riding meekly into Jerusalem on a tiny little colt. He wasn't their expectations. You see, a lot of people may want to say there's a God there, but they don't really want him as the Lord in their lives. <laughs> How can we become more aware of his presence? You see, the list could go on. Let me give you these things in closing this morning. As we look at the passage, and it's on the screen before you, let your conversation be without covetousness. Where are you at today? Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. I'm asking you this morning, are you happy where you are? 
Are you content with your life as it is? If not, how much time do you spend on your knees? I'm not asking that. How much time do you really spend talking to God, speaking to God, praying to God about these things? In Proverbs chapter 8, and in verse 17, the Bible says, I love them that love me. God says, I love them that love me. And then he carries on with the rest of that statement. And those that seek me early shall find me. You need to pray more. You need to genuinely seek God more in your life. Are you too focused on the other things that in actual fact, you're not really seeking God to be more real in your life? In the Gospel of John chapter 6, verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Understand what I'm saying. Sometimes instead of the presence of God, people just want the treats that God's got for them. They want the things that God can give them. They don't really want God himself. We find that so often, so often we would just Take the things that we are wanting in our lives rather than being happy because God himself is in our lives. We find that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and in verse 11, this is hard for us sometimes in our busy worlds, <laughs> And that you study to be, what's the next word in your Bible? Quiet. <laughs> study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we command you. Be still and know that I am God. Did you ever think about maybe turning the TV off, turning the radio off, turning the noise off? Yeah, the YouTube. Do you ever, ever think about switching that off? It's kind of amazing. I mean, I don't care where you go. You can be at home. You can be out. And if you got more than one person, you can learn that. Everybody's on their phone. They can't get away from it. Sometimes I'm as guilty as any of you. We just carry it with us. I'm just saying, folks, you can experience the presence of God in your life. You're either a child of God or you're not. And if you're not today, you don't need to worry about anything else. You better get that sorted today, now, before you leave here. And if you are, the presence of God will change your life. You can know all about his presence and all about what he can do and all about what he does do. But we're talking about the power of his presence being in your life. It'll make you a different person. You can forget the complaining and the grumbling 
all that, you know, just feeling so sorry for yourself. And, hey, we all like to have a pity party every now and then. Don't blame God, though. It's not God's fault. You know, either you don't have any hope at all in him, or you've got all the hope in the world in him. There's no in-between, because either this is true, or you don't have a hope anyway. And if this is true, you need to start by that examining yourself. Humble yourself. Oh. I know. I didn't say it was easy. Humility is a hard thing. I don't care who we are or how long we've tried. Like the one preacher said, as soon as you figure out you've got it, you just lost it because you, you thought you had it. <laughs> it's tough. But that's one of the things that's hard for us. You see, Peter knew a little bit about that stuff. <laughs> 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder, yea, all of you, be subject one to another and be clothed with not the latest fashions, be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Maybe, maybe you just need to try a good dose of humility. Quit thinking of so highly of yourself and that you deserve so much more and that, man, you don't deserve to be where you are and all these, you know, just humble yourself and recognize that it's only because of God that you've even got the prayer, the breath that you, that you breathe. Try living in obedience to his word rather than to your desires. I'll give you this last passage in the great chapter of John chapter 14, after he gave us that wonderful, wonderful promise not to be troubled, not to, not to have all these hearts because he was going to prepare a place for you and he's coming back for you again. But on down in that, he says, if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, that's not the covetous. That stuff's supposed to be gone. If you'll ask anything in my name. You see, when he's present in your life, he'll take away that worrying, that complaining, you being a pawn in the hand of the devil. <laughs> None of us like that, but so many times we are. It's the devil that's using us to discourage somebody else instead of encourage them, to be a bad influence instead of a positive influence because we're, we're speaking all these words with our mouth, but they're not there in our in our lifestyle. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. Why? Because He, God, Jesus Christ, has promised you that he will never leave you, that he will never forsake you. You can be content whatever else is going on if you truly grasp that presence in your life. And, of course, he goes on in the next verse to tell you, <laughs> you don't have to worry about what anybody can do to you when you've got that presence there. Father, we know that these few weeks, Lord, we've tried to cover a lot of things with this very, very simple thought. We're not talking about a Christianity that's filled with 
fleshly experiences. Lord, your Bible, your word, it teaches us clearly. It teaches us that, Lord, your presence is real. Your presence makes a difference. You've promised us your presence. And you gave us that presence in your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we know, we know that he's present within us if, if he's our Lord and our Savior. Lord, there's a power in that presence. It'll make us different. It'll change us. And there's, we, we really ought to be looking at what's wrong. If it's not doing that in our lives, what's wrong? Help us not just to continue to, to go down the same path and go down the same road. Lord, we know none of us are what we need to be. None of us know your, the power of your presence and the reality and the strength that it could be because we are still in these sinful bodies. Well, God, we ought to be able to know your presence, to experience that presence we know that there's a problem there because, Lord, sometimes, even as your children, you're there, but we, we miss your presence because we're too busy looking at other things and thinking on other things. Lord, we know. We know that if, if we can accept your promise that you'll save us and forgive us from our sins, Lord, we have to take this promise that we can. We can be content because of experiencing your presence in our lives always, every day, wherever we are. And I pray, Lord, you know the hearts of each one here this morning. Would you know the need? I, I can't do anything. Oh, how I wish I could if there's anyone here that doesn't have the reality. Lord, if they've been fed a counterfeit or if they've never genuinely made that profession of faith in their life, Lord, I pray today help them to see and recognize they don't know your presence because they've never, never called upon you to forgive them and to save them from their sins. And Lord, you may have children here that are walking at a distance. Lord, I know you love them just as much as you always did. <laughs> and there's only one thing. You said either you, to, to know this, to examine ourselves, do we recognize that either you're with us or we're a reprobate? Lord, they're either saved or they're not. Lord, I know that you still love them just as much, and I pray that you'd help them this day, Lord, to maybe seek that presence in their lives once again. And Lord, you know the needs, you know the things, the problems that many face, Lord, that the hindrances to knowing that presence. Lord, help them not to be pawns in Satan's hand, to be used in ways, Lord, and to believe the lies of, of the devil. Help them, Lord, not to have conversations and lifestyles that are filled with covetousness and desiring what they don't have, but, Lord, to be content with what they have because of your presence. Work as only you can. We give you all the praise, all the thanks, all the glory. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.